And welcome back to another week of Pardon the Disruption. We are back from our one-week hiatus. Had a little bit of an unexcused absence, but it's okay. Everyone is refreshed. We're recharged. We're ready to engage in some debate. And I'm joined, as I am every week, by some real room shakers in the real estate and entrepreneurial space, starting with my guy, Steve Trang. How you doing, man? I'm doing good. Doing good. I'm excited to have another round, you know, get my chance to defend, defend the belt. Right. Show off Lux a little bit. <laughs> what are you shaking your head for? <laughs> <laughs> we also have RJ Bates. The third. Hey, RJ, how you doing, man? You missed a week because you come on here and you dominate week after week. So I know Whoa. I had to hurt. Well, is he on payroll? Is he, are you on his payroll? <laughs> I, uh, I'm a little bit under, but uh, I'm bringing my one pound of titanium that Eric Burr gave me. So I'm excited for being back on part of the disruption and taking that uh, championship belt away from Steve. There we go. There we go. We also have Leon G. Barnes. Don't forget the G. Don't forget it. Hello, losers. <laughs> I am back. It's been about three weeks. I know that you guys purposely pushed me off the show because my my takes were so hot. <laughs> So we're bringing fire back today. <laughs> well, welcome back. Welcome back. And of course, last but certainly not least, we have Eric Brewer. How you doing? What's up, everybody? I'm glad to be back. Uh, like most elite athletes and operators, um, I needed to participate in load management. That's what it was last week. That was load management for me. And uh, I'm, I'm happy to be back. I'm fresh and ready to go. There it is. There it is. All right, so each and every week we have a list of five questions that we do go through and we get everyone's takes. At the end of the round, we then let the floor be open for a little bit of debating uh, where everybody can either counter each other's points, so on and so forth. Before we get started today, we did want to let everyone know that we have a new PTD channel, part of the Disruption channel, where we'll be uploading uh, highlights from the show, shorts from the show. So that should be in the description right now. If you guys could go give that channel a follow uh, and stay tuned for more content that we will be sharing on there as well. But the show will be live here each and every week uh, as normal. So with that being said, gentlemen, are you ready for question number one? Let's go. All right. Let's do it. We're going to start with Steve. Uh, is social media helping or hurting the real estate world? Uh, for example, is it painting a false picture of real estate, especially in today's climate? Oh, uh, so was not going to go with that. Missed that little nuance there. So I was going to say it was helping real estate. Um, where I was going with this was that um, is it painting a false picture? Perhaps a little bit, but I think it, it does provide that inspiration for people to get into the business. And I think that the big thing that I, I look at is that it gives an opportunity to a lot of people that otherwise wouldn't have the resources to get started in the business and create an entrepreneurial lifestyle, you know, uh, break away from their W-2, chase their passions, change, change their family uh, legacy. So for me, I would say that it's, it's good. Social media is good for real estate because it gives a lot of people an opportunity to exit a life that they may not be passionate about. Okay. All right. A couple seconds left on the board. Starting off quick. Uh, let's go to the titanium man himself, R.J. Bates. Your opinion. Um, Steve coming, starting out strong this week, not really knowing what he's trying to say there. Um, <laughs> I think that social media in 2022 helped really. Maybe go back to 2016, 2017, yeah, there was a lot of false pictures being painted. But now the influencer space has kind of changed the narrative where they're okay sharing the negative side of real estate. Failures just the brands. So I think today it helps. Um, it shows the good and the bad. And I apologize if I sound like I'm talking slow, but the echo is just terrible yeah. for me. Yeah, there's a little bit of an echo. We'll, we'll try to figure out if it's on our end, so we apologize for that one. Um, okay, sorry about that. All good, all good. Uh, Leon G. Barnes, your thoughts? Today, gotta love this one. Well done, fellas. So the false picture is from this show. If you're talking about social media, it's it basically, this show uh, says that 
RJ and CJ are winners. <laughs> <laughs> Having a little fun, of course, but overall, I, tr I personally think that social media is good for the real estate industry. Are there bad apples in front of their Lambos with hashtags? Eric and I talked about that earlier this week. Of course, there's bad apples in everybody's. Look at attorneys. It happens, right? But to Steve's little bit of a point that he had, when it comes to the education that's available to real estate investors and those that are starting out, what does it do? It gives our seller, it gives sellers across the United States more options, right? And that's a good thing. Okay. And Eric Brewer, bring us home on question number one. Is social media helping or hurting the real estate world? Shut everything. Shut everything down. There you go. Uh, okay. I Two things I'd like to, before I get into my time. One, I'd like to get a teleprompter like Steve Biden has. He clearly reads each of his answers uh, directly from the teleprompter, which is super lame. Uh, number two, the only thing worse than uh, hearing Steve talk once is when you have an echo and you have to hear everything twice. So that's just really bad. Um, but I would, no pun intended, he's reading the teleprompter again. What should I say? He's going to go end of answer. Go ahead, say it, Steve. Say it. End of answer. End of answer. End of answer. <laughs> oh, now he's muted. This is the best ever. Um, so I would say, you know, a little bit of what everybody said is social media is a resource. I, that's good or bad um, but i think it's a very useful tool it's giving people access to information they wouldn't quite frankly um you know everybody on this call in some way got connected probably through social media so i think it's a very powerful tool but just like anything else it, it needs to be used the right way and uh, with social media i think you just need to to trust um, a little bit but verify a lot of what you see okay uh, for everyone that's in the chat right now, the voting is now. Please, if you think Steve won, speak up. <laughs> I cannot confirm nor deny who the voting is with. Okay. Not a peep. <laughs> Gentlemen, the floor is open to agree or to disagree, and the chat is now open to voting. Uh, yes. Hello? I think. I Test think. Hang in with. I think what. Bang uh, with Trang. <laughs> I think what. Uh, I think RJ did make a small good point there which is that the evolution with influence and that's social that's media that's is that we've had to be more authentic over time. So we're seeing more truth now than before, right? 2019, 2020, or even earlier, it was the Lambos. It was the good hair. It was the, um, I don't know, the, the fancy watches, this and that. And now we're seeing like, okay, like if you want to come through the noise right now in social media, you actually have to put out quality content, which requires you to be authentic. So small well, good point to, for RJ there. To that point, if you watch RJ, just the two guys that are to your left and right here, um, these guys put out great content, whether it's through novations or the cold calling stuff that you see that RJ does. It's very valuable information. And to Eric's point, if you filter through it, you can find great resources through social media. Okay. But again, uh, where I was going with this at the very beginning initially was that I think the best thing about social media is that we have this opportunity for people to, to get into real estate because we have so much information out there that you don't have to go in to a three-day seminar for $97 and get upsold to 1000 get upsold in the 20000 get upsold to 50000 right? I think that's the – for me, I think that's the, the best thing that we've got going on with social media is you don't have to get – you don't have to get – brutalized by the guru industry like you had to 10 15 20 years ago okay test says can you guys hear me now we uh, got you okay perfect perfect not sure what's going on um any last points before we close the voting on social media about guru is because there was no to what their posts were about and the stories that they were telling. And that eventually had to change. I think we just 
over uh, industry adapted to that, and now it's more real. I would like to see, though, a post from RJ in some Prince boots. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. Absolutely not. <laughs> the voting looks like it should be closing here, uh, but I don't think if we gave so, it a couple more seconds, it would change anything because it looks like are RJ. You, are you talking, Weasel? Yeah, test, test, test. Can you guys hear me? I. Yep. Oh, I'm the only one that can't hear Weasel then. All right. Well, yeah, oh, we're working through some audio things. Can you hear me now, Steve? Yes. All right. All right. That's what question one is for to work out the kinks, y'all. <laughs> we had a long week off. We're forgetting some settings, but we're good. Um, the voting breakdown right now is very one-sided. So regardless of when that closes, it looks like we have a clear-cut winner. And RJ Bates the third with 53%. So he is back on track doing what he does, my guy. That's the first W for you. How you feeling? Uh, feeling pretty good, even though I think Eric should have won. Okay. Okay. Humility. <laughs> Look at that, the pity vote right there from RJ. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go on to uh, question number two. Uh, and we'll start with the first round champ, RJ. If your top employee gives you an ultimatum of them versus management, whom do you choose and why? I think this is subjective. You're going to have to find out what is your employee coming to you and saying that the management needs to go or, or they're out of there. That could be a sign that there's poor leadership, poor management employees. I think if we're twisting this around to what's going on in, in some uh, other new businesses or in the sports field, I mean, listen, majority of the time there's going to be an issue with the employee and that they're the reason that they need to go. But I think you need to dig deeper and find out why is this issue going on in your organization and why is there even a conversation we had had about me or somebody else organization needs to go that's probably a deeper root problem in your business okay let's go over to uh leon i want to start off by thanking kevin durant for giving us three shows <laughs> worth of content i mean this summer he has had so much drama that he's allowed us to have great questions and great content to rj's point if we're assuming that management is handpicked and it's an executive level team, you're going to choose that management team. That's your ride or die. That's who you've had by your side helping you scale and grow the team, right? Top employees are much easier to train, manage up than finding executive level management talent the same thing that the Nets just did with KD. So thank you, KD, for the content. <laughs> yeah, shout out to Kevin Durant. Uh, let's go over to Eric Brewer. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, one of the, one of the things that we got to learn as leaders is that any failure from the team ultimately is our responsibility. So over a period of time, if you have performance or, you know, uh, core value issues or problems with players at the end of the day it's a leadership problem so over an extended period of time if i continue to have issues with let's say kevin durant it then becomes a steve nash issue right if you have a, a track record of people or players or performers that are unhappy um that want to leave that are culture problems at some point it's a it's a leadership issue so in the beginning you got to address it with the player or the employee, but over a period of time, it's not corrected. It's 100% the leader's obligation to make it right. Okay. And let's conclude with Steve Trang. If your top employee, <clears throat> Weasel, has an issue with management, who are you choosing? Uh, Weasel's gone, <laughs> right? Weasel's got a problem with management. Weasel's gone. It's pretty simple, <laughs> right? So top players, you know, I think they, they uh, may be a little diva-ish, you know, might may bring some drama, but... Uh, for me, I look at it goes mission of the company, then the company, then the team members, right? So if we have a problem with a team member or a team member has a problem with management, it's the, t it's the top player that has to go, and it sucks, right? It sucks to watch top quality talent or high-performing talent go out the door, but being good at your job is just one capacity. Social intelligence, emotional intelligence, working with your team members is also an important talent. And we have issues where you can't get along 
with your teammates, you can't get along with management, you're the problem. And so, yeah, for me, it's easy. All right. The voting should be opening now in the chat. So everyone that's tuned in, go ahead and place your votes. Gentlemen, the floor is open. I would tell you one of the best examples I've ever seen of this a few years ago, a collective genius that had uh, a gentleman that worked with Patrick Lencioni, and he spent several years in the San Francisco Giants organization. And he was in charge of leadership and culture and player development. And without naming names, he said simply, we had one of if not the best baseball player of all time. The year after he retired, we won the World Series. Mm. So when you have top talent, uh, but that talent is not aligned with what Steve said, the company's mission, um, the, the, the talent does, does not make up for the cultural divide that that talent will create. Yeah, I mean, there is a, there can be at times with the top talent a performance vacuum because this person is taking too many resources, right? Or this person is getting all the accolades, discouraging people. Or they could be a tumor or acting cancerous in the office and, like, you know, demotivating people. So you might find that after the top talent, you know, quote-unquote top talent leaves, other people rise up and perform, their performance increases dramatically because it was the initial top talent that was holding everyone else back. That said, I know our I know our answer was strictly about getting rid of the employee versus management. To the other side, there are bad men. Of course. Today, we have to evaluate everyone. If there's a track record there with management that needs to be addressed, then we have to address that as well. They're not they're not off they're not off, 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 off boundaries, boundaries, boundaries of being fired, of being fired right? Right. But but, but if but if, if, we're assuming, if we're assuming the management team is good, then then the players players are, are they have to. What about what in about the in the scenario where the where the player or the employee come in and say, say listen, you, listen, the reason why we're not getting old is because because of management, and if you don't make a change in management, I'm out of here. We work through it. We work through it together. All right. So RJ comes up to me. He's like, hey, Steve, I got to let you know, you know, the management team is just, you know, the crap in the bed. We can do better. Say, okay. RJ, appreciate that. If you were in my position, what would you do? Right. And then we're going to work through it together. And if we find that the management team isn't getting better and they are the problem, then they've got to go. Right. But if once it becomes Steve, it's me or Weasel. Bye, RJ. <laughs> This is the this second is the second time you've told me that okay, you would not, not have me in the I would have you if you would just drop your expectations and compensation just, just a tad. <laughs> and, and Steve, don't don't forget, don't forget, sharing is caring. He's still on the record saying he would not share bottles in the club with me, and that, as your superstar player, still emotionally disturbs me somewhat. Yeah. Uh, voting is open right now. It's actually a very close race between Steve and RJ, so we're going to give a few minutes to uh, to go ahead and uh, complete the voting. Any last-second arguments or comments from uh, the panel really quickly before we close the voting? I think one of the things to consider is that real top talent should have some form of leadership and management ability. One of the things that's grossly overlooked in organizations is leadership does not always go from the top down. Um, and I just had this in an interview with someone that's taking an executive position here. And the reason he was leaving his other job was because of leadership. And my question to him at the very end was, what could you have done differently? To How did you, how did you end up failing to, to have the impact that you desired? At your position in the organization, you could have led the leaders down the path of making the change that's required. And uh, all I really wanted for him was to take ownership of it, which he did. He said, you know what? Now that I look at it, I failed. I just could not get it done. Um, but that's one thing that I think that people overlook, that if they're really a top talent, they should have some management and leaders. And it's one of the biggest things people talk about between LeBron and Michael Jordan, right? Their ability to lead. That's what separates top talent from what looks like top talent. Agreed. Agreed. Great point. Um Eric, I'm not going to lie. There's a tie right now in the voting between RJ and Steve, and your last point just made me want to give you the point. 
but I'm not sure if that's how it works. So uh, RJ and Steve are going to split this point, apparently. You're in control. <laughs> I am in control. You know what? Points for Eric Brewer on that one. If I said RJ, nice. again, he'll, just, he'll just mute himself and allow me to win anyway. The guy, yeah. like, dude, he's so happy. Like, I can't tell you how happy that made me. Look at him. He's like, he can't stop smiling. He's getting things everywhere. So I just got to figure out uh, what I'm going to send him next. And I'll, I'll win one of these days. It just may cost me dearly. <laughs> there you go. Hey, well, if uh, if gift giving is working, don't forget the host of the show now, okay? I'm in control. Oh. <laughs> well, if you're in control of the points, in order to get a W, you might see some things coming your way from Florida. Yep. I'll be waiting, Leon. <laughs> All right, guys, let's go on to uh, question number three. Uh, and we'll start with the champion from the last round, Eric Brewer. Are you pro, are you for, or against having a real estate business partner? <clears throat> a real estate business partner. So, man, that's a tricky question. I, I think I'm all for it, um, but too many people do it too early. They go into a partnership because there's a portion of the business that they're not necessarily good at or they want to share the responsibility. And in order to get the engagement they want from an employee position, they bring in a partner. And that generally, I, I don't know many partnerships that have been successful. I'm not saying that they don't exist, but I think generally they go into it with the, 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 the wrong mindset. After 15 years of being in business, I feel capable of uh, identifying a good partnership today. So I'm for it, but I think expectations need to be clear and there needs to be an easy way to, to figure to figure out each person's contribution to the organization and make sure that that compensation um, is in direct alignment with what they contribute. Okay, uh, let's go over to RJ Bates. So I'm I'm lucky enough to have ignorantly stumbled upon one of the best partners in existence with Cassie. But I didn't know what I was doing to get into that partnership. I didn't know how to properly vet out if that was going to work. It just happened to work out. And from there, that led to a lot of failed partnerships. When we tried to expand into new markets, it was just like, let's do the same thing that RJ and Cassie did. Let's do that with a third person. And it failed. I, I agree with what Eric's saying. I think a partner can be a valuable asset if vetted out correctly. It's just like doing due diligence on buying a, a, an asset that you're going to hold long term. You're making a marriage forever. Otherwise, you don't intend for that business to exist forever. So if you're not going to put it into due diligence to make sure that's the person you want to do business with for forever and ever, then no, you should not have a partner. Okay. Uh, Steve Trang. Uh, so I recently partnered up with Paul Sparks uh, on a different product, and I learned a lot from him. And one of the things he, I learned from him was – uh, maximum upside and least amount of risk, right? And if we're talking about maximum upside and least amount of risk, then one of the things you want to do is kind of what Eric alluded to is just due diligence, right? Like, let's have this uh, expectation, let's have this, this dating for a little bit. And, you know, I feel like I'm the biggest hypocrite because I've been pretty much anti-partnerships. You guys listen to it on the podcast. And at the same time, I've got several partners in several businesses. Uh, and I did recently go through a recent <clears throat> business divorce, and I've heard a bunch of <laughs> other recent business divorces as well, right? So I think you got to be very clear. If you're going to do it, you got to be very, very clear on the expectations, what the other person is responsible for, accountable for. And on top of that, how will you hold them accountable if they don't live up to their, their mm -hmm. end of the bargain? So uh, I am pro partnership, but you got to walk into it slowly over time, be very clear on expectations. Okay. And Leon G. Barnes, bring us home with your thoughts. So this one is, uh, well, I talk more people out of partnerships than I advise to get into them. We have 300 members in the Collective Genius. And the number one reason that anyone ever leaves our mastermind community is a partner breakup. And usually these guys have all given you great advice. Everyone on this panel um, has, has partnerships currently um, or has had them in the past. And I seek sage advice when it comes to these type of things. And generally, those that have been in partnerships will tell you to stay away from it if you can, with one exception. And that's what, again, all these guys have, have said uh, previously, which is 
you have to treat this like you're underwriting a major real estate transaction. You have to be on the same lines. You have to have the same core values. And in 20 years, you both are still going to be aligned for the same type of growth. If not, it doesn't work. Okay. The voting is open in the chat and the floor is open for you guys as well. Uh, you know, it's, uh, it's funny. I actually, you know, I'm doing something with Jason Lewis, right? We've had it out for about almost a year now. Uh, and we're finally rolling it out, like, right now. Um, but he's like, hey, now that we're finally ready here, let's have a meeting about being very clear on our expectations because the worst thing that could possibly happen is that this thing fails or this thing is wildly successful and it hurts our friendship. So I thought that was yep. a really mature thing to do. And it's like, I'm glad he's doing that because I wouldn't have done that. But see, what you just said is it's a mature perspective. All too often, I think Eric talked about this earlier, they get into partnerships early because you need a money partner. You bring the, the information, the skill set, and they bring the money. Well, each of you, when you bring that type of partnership in, in 10 years may have different viewpoints of where you want that company to go. And all too often, that's where I see, hey, Leon, we're going to have to step out for a little bit in the community because I want to grow to 100 transactions a year and have a $10 million business. But my partner and I started with five years ago, he doesn't want to do that much work. So we're not going to be able to make this work. And that's where the, those partnerships, it's usually early on the ones that fail the most. And on top of that, being the money partner becomes a lot less valuable as a company is successful. And then it brings, that brings right. in bitterness. I think Steve gave the best advice out of all of this is have an open and honest discussion with your partner about how are we going to handle the situation when one of us doesn't hold up our end of the bargain? Because that is where even for, for me and Cassie, me and Elijah, who's been my, Elijah's been my best friend since fifth grade. I've known Cassie for 15 years. That's a difficult conversation to have, even when it is your best friend, like, hey man, this was your responsibility to the business and you're not holding up your end of the bargain. There's a lot of emotions involved in that. <clears throat> I think that's the key to making sure that that expectation is set before any partnership is put together. Okay. I can tell you this, even if your best of friends on this, and I'm just going to tell you it's the last thought. Um, the, even if you're great friends going into a partnership and you split and on great terms, the relationship's never the same. It just isn't. If you've known someone for 20 years and there's a split, even on good terms, you you'll never be the same that you were before so those open that open dialogue that robust dialogue has to be had okay okay great points all around i gotta say rj i i love the way that you're using the titanium plate to emphasize the points <laughs> absolutely <laughs> and apparently because i said steve said something intelligent all of my votes should go to steve i saw that we also do have another comment in there from cassie she says that uh, RJ and she have the best two business partners on the planet. So I can appreciate that love is in the building today. Uh, the uh, voting is still open, but it looks like we got a landslide victory in the works for RJ Bates the third. So another point to RJ on this one. You made up for last round. I gave the point to Brewer. I'm so sorry. But you came back and you got it. It's got to be the plate. It's got to be the plate. Um, all right, we're getting ready to go into our fourth question. Again, just wanted to remind everyone that is tuned in right now, there is a part of the Disruption YouTube channel where all clips will be posted. It should be actually in the chat right now commenting, so go ahead and subscribe to that channel uh, if you want to check out all of the segments that we've had past and present on this current program. Uh, they will be uploaded after the show. So uh, that being said, the question that a lot of us on the production side have been waiting for Andrew Tate, the self-proclaimed top G. Now, if you guys are not familiar on the panel, if you don't know who Andrew Tate is, uh, he's kind of went viral and taken over TikTok and all types of shorts and reels. Um, and he's currently been banned. He's banned from IG, TikTok, Twitter. He is somewhat disrespectful with some of the things he says based on your interpretation of it. Because he, you know, his self-proclaimed motivation is uh, healing damaged men and giving them the confidence to kind of uh, reform and reprogram themselves. With that said, some of his takes, again, borderline disrespectful. Some are just flat out disrespectful. Some of them do make sense. So just like Andrew Tate was banned from social media, should you fire someone based on their 
presence online on their social media. Uh, we'll start with RJ Bates since he won the last round. So as someone that doesn't do quite as controversial content as Andrew Tate, but sometimes controversial, um, I think I've earned the right to be able to do that because I'm the one that's building a brand for my business and the business that I created. If you are going to be an employee for my business, then there is a certain level of respect that you have to have towards the brand that I've built and you're representing that and you need to represent it the way that I want you to. So yes, I think if you're not going to live up to the expectations that are set on how you carry yourself on social media, you should absolutely be fired. Um, and, and if you don't like that, then you could go create your own business and your own brand, just like Andrew Tate did and live with the consequences of whatever that leads you to. Okay. Uh, Steve Trang. Uh, so I believe uh, I lead an organization full of misfits, misfits that don't belong anywhere else. We're kind of like Toy Story 3, right? So like everyone can have their own character and, and they can do whatever they, you know, more or less what they want so long as within certain boundaries. So, you know, if someone's being outright racist, sexist, saying derogatory things about demographics, oh, 100%, you're out, right? But... Andrew Tate, his, his takes are, controver are controversial. I agree with a lot of what he says, right? Uh, but it hurts feelings, right? I would never fire anybody for saying anything that he's saying, right? Because he's not calling out demographics. He's just giving opinions on what he believes, right? He's speaking his truth. So, Okay. Uh, Leon. Your thoughts? I think there's two. I think there's two perspectives here. One is from the employee, and one is from the employer. From the employee standpoint, you know, we live in a country that gives us the freedom of speech. But in the same regard, there are consequences to that speech, right? There's there are consequences to the things that we say. So, from an employer side, employee side. You have to understand there's going to be consequences to things that are controversial that you say, whether that's on a platform or social media or wherever. From the employer standpoint, this is where you have to be very clear upon onboarding employees, what you will and will not stand for in regards to representation of your company. And that way, there's no gray area in regards to how someone will be treated if they post something that's controversial in these categories you will be terminated if you do these things. So there's two lessons, two different perspectives on it, but you just have to know there are going to be consequences from freedom of speech. Okay. And uh, Eric Brewer, your thoughts? Uh, one, for the record, rumor has it, Steve Trang has beat up more men and shared more women than Andrew Tate, for the record. <laughs> rumor has it. Uh, right here, right now. That's the one the rumor started. So if we're talking about badasses, my man takes karate or whatever, kung fu. So uh, let's just get that out in the open. Here, here's the thing. I think um, we're really big in our organization, and I'm sure um, everybody here has an established, well-communicated set of standards for their people. Um, for us, that's core values, and core values define what's acceptable behavior and what's not. And the reality is, is that that behavior today extends beyond the time that you spend at the office. So I don't care if you do anything on social media, um, that's a better representation of who you are as an individual, as long as it aligns with our core values, right? So if what we do here um, is integrity-based, respect, having a positive belief and humility, if someone's out there doing something that isn't a good reflection of that, um, it just means that what I'm getting at the office is fake, it's not authentic. Right. So I don't want you to feel forced to modify your behavior. I don't want you to feel forced to be an honest person when you're at the office. If you're truly not, I think you can definitely term it. We have a we have a social media policy. If you violate the core values inside or outside of the office in a visible manner, you're done. OK, the voting is open in the chat and the floor is open. See, we have a social media policy here at Titanium as well. It's very simple. If you want to be derogatory, you want to talk bad about somebody, if you want to be rude, you go to Carlos Reyes's page and you're rude to him. You're derogatory <laughs> towards him. That's it. Just get it out directly towards Carlos and we're good. 
<laughs> Any last-minute points before we uh, go to the voting? I ended the conversation. I mean, I, I <laughs> think the mic drop. I, I think the key here, right, is that uh, maybe just uh, to uh, extend the point, not necessarily the question here, is that I think that free speech is important, right? I mean, there's consequences for free speech, and we all have to, we all have to accept it as capitalists, right? There are consequences to it. But I value free speech. I, I, I strongly believe in it. And I think that if people, the, the biggest, one of the biggest problems we have in this country is people can't handle free speech, right? They're, they're uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Charm and soft, right? I think, I think we have a bunch of people that are charm and soft out there, and that's causing problems in this country. We can't have real conversations, how to fix real problems. Everyone's overly sensitive. Yeah. But I, I think there's a balance to that, right? Like it, you, you have freedom of speech, but. As an employer, we have freedom of decision as to whether or not that speech aligns with what we're doing. Oh, like even on this show, right? One hundred percent. I was talking right? about you. I'm saying in general, like the fact that he got canceled. Like there are people cheering it. There are people upset about it. I think the people cheering it should all be thrown in prison. I don't know. Something <laughs> bad happened to them. Cancel their social media accounts. I mean, there's something to what you're saying, dude. The president of the United States got blocked from Twitter. Yeah. I mean, look. Like, well, let me let me call my president yeah. right now, right? Of, 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 <laughs> 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 Steve taking Steve, the mic job. careful doing that. Remember, I almost got canceled for even making one Joe Biden joke, okay? I was quoting him directly. <laughs> Verbatim. Even the captions were accurate. <laughs> Turn on the captions and spell it out perfectly. End of quote. Uh, we do have, it, it's a very close vote right now, so we will uh, allow the question to kind of be uh, expanded a little bit because the thing about it is, he was banned from the social media platform. So does that kind of change your guys' answers or opinion? I know we're. it seemed like we're all for freedom of speech, but if that has a reflection on your social media accounts where you do your business, you conduct your business, does that kind of change your opinion if potentially you might get canceled from social media, not even canceled, deleted, and you know, does that kind of shift your opinion? I'd be curious to hear from you I guys. think generally the take... Well, no different than... I don't think Tate got banned because of his opinions. I think he got banned because of technically he violated policy. He he had a bunch of different accounts that looked like him that 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 weren't really him. I mean, it was a genius business model. The guy made at least a little bit of money in a year selling people a fifty dollar program. Accurate, Eric. That's that, that's what he did on TikTok. That's not why he got canceled. He got canceled on Facebook and Instagram for violating the the terms of policy as far as his opinion. But. But that goes back to what Eric was talking about earlier. It doesn't fit the policies of that company that is the platform. So therefore, he's getting fired from that platform because he did not uh, adhere to policy. It's the same. It's the same concept of a, a firing an employee for. It's definitely a gray area. It's definitely a gray area, right? There was a, an issue with someone on a podcast on Spotify where they wanted them to. To, to ban them, right? And, and Spotify basically said, hey, we're a platform. We don't make decisions about content. We're simply a place for people to broadcast their message no matter what it is. So it's it's a gray area, but I think the one thing that we've done, if we've done anything right, is we just established the expectations when the people come into the organization so that there's no confusion. And if that's a problem for them, then we, we've, we've just clearly set the expectation up front. They're not gonna be surprised because uh, we've done it. We've had to actually terminate someone for something they did on social media. And uh, it wasn't a surprise because it was clearly stated up front. And they were like, you know, darn it. I, I apologize. I messed up, but I understand. Okay. Okay. That's and, and, oh, I'm and, sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say all of these platforms have the ability to say whether that is allowed or not. Look at Netflix to uh, we were using other examples. Netflix they wanted uh, the the uh, the people behind everything wanted the Dave Dave Chappelle to get canceled and taken off Netflix. Netflix says no, we're going to back. So their particular policy and how they felt on that particular issue, they were good with it. These other platforms weren't, and I think that's up to them. And just like what Eric said, it was up to him to make that decision on on terminating an employee because it was their policy. We actually, we encourage our people, it's it's borderline a requirement to be on social media. Um, I, again, I think RJ's seen it right. Like there's a development or a benefit to having a brand that goes beyond whether you do any education or anything like that. RJ, the majority of his content is he just simply records what he does on a daily basis. And whether you recognize it or not, a lot of sellers will connect with that and say, hey, it's just a normal guy 
with really really thick beard hair and a sweet piece of titanium like <laughs> that's the kind of guy i want to sell my house to right so i, I think that it's there, there's a balance right because if you tell people you can't do social media you're, you're going to negatively impact the exposure you can get be yourself but also make sure that what you do aligns with our values and just clearly state those expectations up front and uh you shouldn't have any problems okay we do have a couple comments that uh like to read out. We had one from Tech Out Adam. He said people just can't handle honest people. That's all it was. Interesting. Um, got a couple uh couple comments for Steve. They liked your thoughts, your opinions. Big Z Chrono said free the top G. Uh Tech Out Adam also <laughs> said there's also consequences for not exercising freedom of speech. So Thank you guys for, yeah. And then actually there was one last one. Gary Yates, he said, once you want to control someone on their own time for an opinion, you have become a dictator. Not talking about racism or anything like that. He says he's just talking about opinions. So okay. The great thing about this country, Weasel, is that that individual can now go start their own platform to mm. get their message out. That's the greatest thing about this country. Now you have a business opportunity. If you get canceled over here and people want to hear what you have to say, Go start a business to get that that message out on a different platform. That's a great point. When you blockchain. get fired, you're not. When you get fired, you're not unemployed. You're self-employed. It's a, it's, a, it's a positive <laughs> twist on a bad situation. Like, hey, great news is you're you know you're fired and you're not unemployed. You're now self-employed. So we should remove the term firing and just say, hey, I'm promoting you to self-employed. I've made you an entrepreneur. Everyone where I grew up was self-employed. There we go. <laughs> <Slanging>. <laughs> All right. The voting is closed out. Uh, it looks like Steve Trang took that one. So another point for Steve. There we go. Uh, good question. Good question and great answers. So shout out to you guys. That was a, that was a good round. Um, we are going to uh, round number five. So the question will be for you, Steve, starting out. When starting your business, would you rather overpay for talented uh, and experienced employees or save money by hiring an unexperienced employee so we're gonna i'm gonna assume this question you're starting your business is that you're starting your very first business and if that's the case here's the thing we were all crappy business owners crappy leaders crappy managers it's a miracle right it's like the fact that we're able to make it as far all all of us so uh for me i would rather learn my management uh leadership skills on a lower less lower paid less experienced employee because the fact of the matter is I can't, I can't manage to keep a quality employee. I won't be able to employ a high caliber person when I'm starting because they'll look at me, they'll see the mess that I am and bounce, right? So for me, I would hire an inexperienced person because I, I would be an inexperienced leader and manager. Okay. All right, let's go over to uh, RJ. So I, I agree with what Steve said, but I am going to, kind of transition that it says when you're starting your business so that could be starting any business so for example for us we just bought woodhaven country club that's us starting a new business we've never owned a country club before i'm not going to go hire inexperienced people in fact i'm interviewing people like tom kite the jack nicholas club uh company very the most highly experienced companies out there that i'm going to bring in to be my golf course architect superintendent's going to be super experienced, high paid. So I think it just depends on where you are as an entrepreneur and then also what type of business you're starting. If you were specifically talk, talking about starting a wholesaling business and you're brand new, Steve's answer is absolutely correct. Okay. Uh, for the record, RJ, can I have a membership at the country club? <laughs> depends <laughs> on if you Stop giving my points away to Eric when I win. <laughs> All right, we'll take that as a no. Leon G. Barnes, your thoughts? <laughs> I have to give it to him, RJ. Uh, that was a really good point in regards to where you are as a business owner. You know, you may be you may be a business owner and starting a new business. If the question is speaking specifically to new people starting out, you may not have the resources to hire very talented people. This is going back to the point earlier about partnerships. This is a lot of the reasons that you see people come together uh, that are talented people that are partners in the business and get equity in the business because that person can't afford them out of the gates. But if we're talking about someone that has business experience, maybe they are starting a different business, 
you guys know where I stand with this. I'll all day overpay for talent. I'll take four great employees and kick the ass of 12 of your employees on your other side. It's just talented people. You'll never, if they're talented, you will always get your return back on your investment. Okay. And Eric Brewer, bring us home. I think we need to dis- we, we need to delineate the difference between skill, talent, and experience, right? Like if you, le- you think about a lot of the answers, it was based around, you know, like what RJ say, which I happen to agree with, but I think the language creates s- some lack of clarity is that he's hiring experience. Experience is not an indication of talent or skill. Uh, I read in a book a uh, long time ago where a guy said, he heard someone tell him that they had 15 years worth of experience and he corrected him and said, no, you have one year of experience repeated 15 times, 15 times. So there's a difference between experience and skill and talent. The way that the question is worded is I'm always going to go for talent. And if talent doesn't have experience in the beginning, it's going to be cheap. So I think the way I would answer the question is I'll take talent over experience. Because I think you can get talent that is cheap. Okay. The voting is now open and the floor is open, gentlemen. Especially in this business, to continue that point, Eric, because um, I get this question quite often is, man, should I hire someone with real estate experience? Absolutely not. You should hire the most talented person, fit the criteria, and fits your core values for your business. That's the most important thing. I think there's an exception to it, right? Like RJ's is, is most people that start a business don't start a country club. So he's got a little bit of an exception there. Where, right. The margin of error when you're talking about a country club is is, is minimal. Uh, we're talking about I mean, this business, you know, this shows large part about wholesalers. The margin of error is vast. The barrier of entry, let's be honest, is very low. So what I look for is potential that can be developed into talent and then talent that can be developed into experience that then becomes a very expensive person to hire. So I think when you're starting a business, be able to identify potential, develop that potential into talent, right? And you hired them cheap. But at that point, once you've developed the talent, they're an expensive employee um, that would cost someone else a lot to to hire. And to to that point, when Steve put together the panel for this show, he didn't go looking for experience that might've been part of it, but he looked for a particular skill set, right? Um, and other than, than than RJ, none of us are cheap, right? He's the only one that's drastically underpaid. Every one of us is is, is being handsomely rewarded, um, other than RJ, which is why I sent him the the pity gift of the titanium, and he loves it. It's like a gavel in the, the hand of a judge. That's amazing. Okay, going to your point, Eric, though about getting cheap talent, I always worry if i'm hiring someone that's super talented but they're cheap i'm wondering what is the underlying reason as to why this person is this talented and i'm getting on this cheap i guess because what you're saying is is they might not have the experience and so you're the one that's like kind of discovering the talent it's what yeah that's that's what there's one of two reasons either they, they they identify you as a person that can accelerate their ability to get the experience or two they they're talented and they they are they are currently under horrible leadership so they're willing to give up not the right a environment large portion of their income for a, a greater purpose and clarity and direction and but when we say cheap it's all relative right like to get an acquisitions agent in our market, if they make six figures, that's inexpensive. Um, but that I think those are the two things. They're, they're looking at you going, I'm going to work. For, I mean, I've had people, I don't know about you, but they message me all the time and say, I'll come work for you for free for the experience. It doesn't get any yep. cheaper than free. Right. And they're talented people, but they're paying for access and, ra- and, and rather than paying for it, they're sacrificing some income potential. Hey, Weasel, I think this question just kind of spurred a good question for next week, which is should salary, should compensation be set as a company or should it be determined based off of who you're hiring? No, I think that's kind of part of this conversation is because, yeah. I mean, honestly, as a company, we kind of have set pay structure already. We're not really changing it based off of who we're hiring. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Also, I mean, I just can't get this out of my head, right? Like if you were to look at the prototypical country club owner, 
I for sure had RJ Bates in my mind. Like, did anyone? <laughs> he looks more like a country club employee than owner. <laughs> <laughs> one hell of a maintenance man. I went from country club employee at $7.25 an hour to the owner. Okay. That's he awesome. looks like the guy that he looks like the guy that bought the country club because he was in the longest driving competition and he won that a couple of times and it allowed him to buy the country club. It looks like the longest driver guy. A couple of sponsorship deals. <laughs> Speaking of sponsorships, we would like to uh, shout out this week's sponsor, which was well, nobody. So RJ, maybe the country club can break it to that marketing budget and you know throw us a little bit of change for PTD. Uh, RJ, I got a question for you. You definitely, I, I, I think you can tell a lot about the type of clubs a guy swings. You play golf? I do. You swing king cobras? I do not. Oh, you got a king cobra look to you. What do you swing? Callaways. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. And they're made from titanium. <laughs> yes. Nice. I should have known. All right. Yep. <laughs> well, the voting is uh, voting is concluded, and it looks like RJ Bates took that one. So another point for RJ. And we are at the audience question of this show. So thank you guys for submitting all of your questions in the chat. We have selected one. Uh, that question is, and we're going to start with RJ, with the current unknowns in the real estate market, would you rather wholesale land or houses? Why not both? Why are we picking one or the other? I mean, this yeah. is that, that's kind of a silly question to me. I guess if you're trying to be laser focused, because I do preach a have a hedgehog concept, make sure you know exactly what you're doing. Um, if it's up in the air, I think you could go after land because it's going to be easier for you to be able to underwrite. And then that's one less skill set for you to have to learn. Um, I think there's probably over the course of time, it's going to be easier for you to do single family. But if you have to pick one, and you're trying to figure out a skill set, pick land. Okay. Okay. Uh, let's go to Steve Train. Uh, if you have to pick one, uh, I, I would say houses. And uh, more specifically, houses, the ones we target are median market prices and below. Because there's always going to be an appetite for that product, right? No matter what's going on, people always are going to need a place to live. Land Man, right now, I don't know a lot of people buying land. You're going to have a hard time getting anywhere close to, I think, a decent value. If you tie it up for more than 10% of market value, I think you're going to have a hard time selling the property right now, You know, trying to sell land. So I would say, for me, single family, and even more specifically, m median market value or lower. Okay. Uh, Eric Brewer. I can't help but to sometimes pick on Steve, and it's only because some of the things he say just demand it. He doesn't know anybody buying land because he's he's not selling any. He doesn't know anybody buying '67 Chevelles either because he doesn't have any to sell. He also said that if you lock up land 10% over market value, you're going to have a tough time selling it. Uh, no shit, Cletus. If it's over market value. Ten percent. Ten percent of market value. That's not what I heard. You said ten percent over. It is what it is. But if it is ten percent of market <clears> value, <throat> you can definitely sell it. And every house that I know that people are buying is built on land. <laughs> every house. I don't know. Well, I forgot. You're in the metaverse, so there's some houses that you're flipping, maybe and doing land. But here's the deal. Knowing what I know now, I've never heard of anybody making a million dollars on a wholesale house deal there's plenty of million dollar land deals to be done uh there's a gentleman that steve had on his show not too long ago out of houston texas that is catching fire right now um and i i just happen to be following him on social media and he basically said hey wholesaling houses wholesaling land it's kind of the same thing you just got to learn the underwriting he gravitated towards land because he can make two three four five hundred grand on a big land deal rather than trying to churn and burn 50, 60, 70 houses. So I would say if I had to pick, and, and and I don't, but if I could go back and do it over again, I'd start with land because I think there's bigger upside. Okay. All right. And uh, Leon Barnes, bring us home. So I, if we had to pick here, in which I would encourage you, as RJ said earlier, I, 
you know, if you're starting out laser focus on one, um, the only downside I see to land for someone starting out from a wholesale perspective is I know plenty of people that are selling land. What Eric's talking about is not the norm usually with most land flippers and those big plots that they're selling for six figure wholesale fees. Usually it's people that are doing deals five to twenty thousand dollar quick pieces of lands that are not that of land that are not uh they can't be developed on usually that's usually the wholesale land person i see and they typically have to have more capital because they have to take that property down and then sell it on terms because those type of properties are easier to move on terms so for me personally i would say go the route of houses um just because uh there's 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 so many opportunities a guy like rj is a perfect example he's buying houses across the united states so i i want to say something about what steve said i think this also is a clear indication that your answer should also depend upon what market you're going to be doing this in because what he's seeing in phoenix is not what's happening anywhere else i mean here like we just wholesaled a deal in tampa it was a vacant lot. It went multiple offers well above asking price. Okay. Here in, in Dallas, Fort Worth. 10% land, over? It must not have been 10% over value or yeah, otherwise. We, it wouldn't it, have. we basically sold it at like 85% of market value. Okay. All right. So a 15% discount. When I see Eric, so, I'm going to slap the hell out of him. But continue. <laughs> yeah. And, and thanks for the call, RJ. <laughs> Appreciate the call on that land. It would, hey, got emailed to you because we use InvestorLift. Maybe that should be our first uh, sponsor, by the way. Um, but I, I would say land is is moving in other areas. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I mean, both, I guess the reason work. why the reason why I said this far and fewer, and again, I mean, obviously, I'm not doing a lot of land, so Eric's got a good point here. The reason why I'm saying that there's not as many people buying land is that. For land to be effective, right, the person you're selling it to probably has to have plans for developing the land. And I don't think there are many people right now actively buying land to develop. I mean, it seems like at least the builders, the the, 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 the big-time home builders, are all hitting the pause button and liquidating their inventory, right? So I think, like, there's not a, lot, not a ton of appetite right now for developing at this exact moment in time. I think there is, a, there is an is appetite, like though, for land. Tree. Buying land and planting a tree have the same two rules. The best time to buy it was 20 years ago and today. It, mm-hmm. It's just there's there, there's no... Yeah, last time... Like, I, at some point, right, we all know that there's a housing shortage. And the reality is, is there's not enough existing homes that can come back on the market, if anything, because of the hedge funds that bought whatever the number was, 100,000, 200,000 homes in the last two years. The only way to try and close this gap between supply and demand will be new construction. As soon as they figure out inflation, right? That land is the, it's the, there's no other magical way to create inventory. It has to be built. Now, whether it's single family or multifamily is to be determined. Because one of the things I see with a local developer here is they're able to get money, much easier multifamily approvals for land entitlement because they're seeing it as, listen, we can house 140 people on a two acre piece of land rather than one person with an acre of land that, you know, effectively it's waste. So they're, they're starting, at least locally, we've seen um, where they're, they're, they're making land more likely to be developed into multifamily than it is single family, which is weird because it's historically been the opposite. Okay. And last See, I checked, they're not. Last I checked, they're not making any more of it unless you're going to Dubai or the Big Island of Hawaii. Or That's metaverse. The only places Meta. that they're yeah. the metaverse. NFTs. Yes, exactly. The the answer, but RJ gave you the best answer out of the gates. I mean, both are are that. great models. <laughs> just laser focus on one. And I will also just throw in, like here in Fort Worth, for example, like it's easy to go and look. Like Fort Worth is the fastest growing city in the top 50 cities in the United States. Any piece of vacant land right now is a valuable asset to anyone in this city, whether it's for multifamily, commercial, because it's so densely populated in certain areas. We don't have retail. We don't have restaurants. We don't have gas stations. There's a shortage of almost everything because of the growth. (laughs) Working toilets. 
Indoor plumbing. <laughs> it looks like the uh, the voting is still open, but there's a landslide in the progress, and it's Eric Brewer. A Brewer's landslide. 60%. I see what you did there, Weasel. <laughs> well, I see you. what you Thank did you. there. I appreciate it. I kind of do this sometimes. <laughs> Yeah, Eric Brewer's got a nice uh, got a nice sizable gap in his voting. So it is still open, but it looks like you're taking the W on this one, Eric Brewer. So 60% of the votes. It's impressive. Uh, that does conclude, actually, all of the questions for this week. Uh, we have our champion, RJ Bates, again, raising the uh, trophy that will eventually come <laughs> when we get a little bit of sponsorship money. Uh, we'll be able to give you something physical. You have the titanium, though, so that should work. You gave arbitrary well, points. You can also give an arbitrary fun. trophy. You don't have to give the trophy to RJ. And we're just <laughs> making rules up as we go now. It's working. It's working. <laughs> uh, we do thank everybody who is in the chat submitting questions and interacting with us. Um, I do want to go virtual left to right. Let everybody sign off. Tell everyone where they can follow you at, where they can check you out at. Uh, and let's go ahead and start with Steve. All right. Steve Chang, Real Estate Disruptors, obviously on this channel. Uh, and, you know, we're really passionate about helping people get better at buying more houses at deeper margins, which is more challenging now than ever before. So if you guys are interested in our sales training, check us out, disruptors.com. Here we go. All right. And I do want to shout out, we, we did have a uh, $50 donation from Tam that said shout out to the land buyer. So thank you so much for that. And let's go ahead and go over to uh, Eric Brewer. Uh, Eric Brewer, I'm on Facebook, Instagram. I am um, currently teaching Novations. It's, it's, it's one of the hottest things that's going on right now. I'll do a selfless plug. If you want to learn Novations, go to BrewerMethod.com. In today's market, one of the things we talked about, whether it's land, wholesaling, firing people because of social media, business has got a little tougher lately, and it's probably going to continue that way um, for at least uh, the foreseeable future. Um, Novations, for all of you wholesalers out there, will give you the ability to wholesale retail-style properties at retail-style prices. Um, we, uh, we just reached 20 people that have signed up and joined us this month. We now have over 200 students that we've helped teach and implement novations. Uh, go to brewermethod.com. And we did, we've done two novations this month. Nice. All right. Let's go over to, uh, Leon Barnes. Oh, I'm sorry. RJ Bates. RJ Bates. I skipped over you, man. You say RJ Barnes? RJ Bates. Leon's oh. on deck. Leon's on deck. I skipped over him. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, shout out again to my buddy, the King of Novations, Eric Brewer, for sending this to me. I was so excited the other day when I got this gift from Eric that I made a TikTok about receiving it. And because of that, Eric's wife actually found out that he's on Instagram and TikTok and followed him back. So I'm just excited for Eric that his wife now follows him on social media. All publicity uh, is good publicity. There you go. Hey, uh, Eric, great job on your first two points on PTD. Great Thanks, show, man. guys. Appreciate it. Two more, two and more than Leon got this week. There. And yeah, no doubt. Said, let's let's hey. uh, let's end it up with Leon. Don't forget the G Barnes. Yeah, I must have started out with the whole loser thing, and so that that worked <laughs> against me. Apparently, no points today. Got held out. Got zero. Uh, wow. Okay. Well. Um, the good thing is about I look forward to these when I am on here. They kick me off usually because they don't want to hear all the hot takes. That's cool. That's cool. I'll see you once a month in, in regards to coming and kicking as much as I can. Uh, Collective Genius, uh, real estate mastermind, guys. Uh, that's what I'm on here representing. Learn more about CG.com. I have uh, great friends like Steve and and Eric, that we get to meet up quite often. And eventually, I'm going to get my man RJ in with us as well. Looking forward to that one day. Yeah, everyone here is qualified for CG except for one person. And that's because they own a country club. <laughs> well, I, I was expecting He's got his own club. <laughs> so that means I can go to CG? <laughs> Sorry, RJ. Uh, I will be Googling the requirements to apply to the country club, though. So uh, next week, we'll have an update on that. <laughs> Again, thank you to everybody in the chat. Uh, thank you to the panel. Uh, we did have a, one last comment I wanted to read out from Gary Yates. He said, I want to thank you all for the content. I don't, I don't think people understand the true value of just listening to the conversations between you guys. And that is honest truth. So thank you for that comment, sir. Thank you, Gary. And, uh, did you have we, anything to say to Steve? Or was that just for the other three of us? <laughs> 
<laughs> That's rude of that guy. You're not even the guy's the host. You don't. I'm mean, working on my on my slap hand. Something. September twelfth. September twelfth. Mark it. He's gonna get a big handprint on the side of his face. <laughs> Golly, we'll, we'll be following that one closely. Golly. <laughs> we'll be following that one very closely. September 12th, the slap heard around the world. Potentially, question mark. We'll see. Thank you guys for tuning in again. Make sure you follow the new part in the disruption channel. All the clips will be uploaded to there. Um, and guys, thank you again for all of your insight, all of your debates and knowledge. We'll see you guys next weekend at 1130 a.m. ish. See y'all.